Welcome back to What You Would Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. And hopefully it will still be Adam Jones next week. I laugh just because it's a nervous laugh. (laughs) We're doing the new confessions of an economic hitman. And mate, that was an absolute wild ride. It's an absolute wild ride. So it's essentially a guy who worked for private companies along with the, you know, like the CIA and all that kind of thing. He's essentially a CIA whistleblower on... Some of the things that are happening in the world and, and yeah. Man, it's wild. It's just absolutely, absolutely wild, man. Absolutely wild. So John Perkins is the author. We're speaking to John Perkins midweek. Um, so I'm sure we'll get some even more wild shit. And so essentially this is the stuff you do not see in the media ever. Will you? You're never yeah. going to see this kind of stuff in the media. The only yeah. way you're going to hear about it is if it was from someone on the inside and John is on the inside yeah. and he's the one who wrote the book on it. And that's the thing. Most of the stuff like this is like... You can just pass it off as conspiracy or people losing the plot or just going out of their mind. But there's a guy who says he was in there and I'm going to believe all of it. Oh, we'll find out tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to speak to him anyway. <laughs> but essentially, he says at the start, and you know, this is probably the first question that runs through everyone's mind, like why isn't he killed for telling yeah. his story? Yeah. And it's essentially this book is his insurance policy. Yeah. Because his name's out there with his book, it's just going to become more he won't you know they probably want him to be seen as this ridiculous conspiracy kind of dude yeah but if they know if they get <laughs> off because basically like throughout the book and we we'll go through a lot of them anytime someone goes against the US government they get in some freak accident and die yeah and so that's why he's saying like it probably could have happened to him but because he's got the book it's yep. too sus mate so the start of the book it says economic hitman EHMs are highly paid professionals who cheat countries around the globe out of trillions of dollars they funnel money from the World Bank, the U.S. Uh, Agency for International Development, and other foreign aid organizations into the coffers of huge corporations and the pockets of a few wealthy families who control the planet's natural resources. Yep. Their tools include fraudulent financial reports, re-elections, payoff, extortion, sex, and murder. They play a game as old as Empire, but one that, is, uh, <laughs> that has taken on new and terrifying dimensions. I should know. I was an EHM. Yeah. He certainly was. So essentially, in a nutshell, how the process works before we get Mm. into the stories. So John Perkins, who was an economic hitman, he was essentially an economist by title. So his job was to go to developing countries and do all these kind of forecasts and give out loans to these these countries and say, you know, if you uh, use all your natural resources, then this is the kind of economic growth that you can expect. Yeah, and that's the thing. So they then say, look, this is how much money you're going to make. As a US government, we're going to give you a bunch of money to do these projects and essentially they structured in a way that all the money came back to the US, whether they like, yeah, sold all the shit back to the US yep. or, yeah. So it was a good economic, economic hitman would convince the developing country that they're going to get such economic uh, growth, you know, 15 to 20% per year, that they should get these huge, ridiculous loans. But the economic hitman, mm. a good one will know, you know, they're never going to be able to pay it back. So what happens then? If they don't pay it back, then they're going to have to default on their debts, and mm. that means the economic hitmen are going to, you know, demand their pound of flesh. He says yep. this could be control over UN votes, installation of military mm. bases, uh, access to all their precious resources such as oil, and then essentially another country was added to their global empire. Yeah. So essentially, they give them a whole bunch of money, knowing that they can't pay it back. And when they can't, the U.S. just takes over, takes yeah. control, takes power. Well, not essentially the U.S. in terms of the government, but the, the, the corporations. People who are running the show, yeah. The people who are running the show, yeah. a few private families. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <A bit of conspiracy. laughs> but yeah, I guess where it 
you know, where I guess John at some stage in his journey started feeling a little bit, um, you know, a bit of, bit of guilt come on. He's, he, he thought about like, this money could go to social services, but instead it's diverted to pay off the debt. Mm. So a developing country who's poor, all their money and resources are actually going to, to a few. Yeah, exactly. And, and he talks about how the, um, the, the first time he met a dude in Ecuador, he was at this seminar, and this big Texan oil dude told him all about, like his first taste was this big Texan oil dude who told him some of the things like, oh, we get to land our planes, but he, he went into some, some wild details into all the stuff that goes on really. Mm. So the book starts with, we're not going to go too much into John's story just because we're, we're going to speak to him as well, yeah. but the start of the, is that them? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually, before we get into it, mate. So today we went to have lunch, uh, and oh what the shit! Fuck, <laughs> we went to have lunch. Well, who was the wind? And John, so John tells a story about how he got poisoned on the way back from lunch. I literally had to pull over and munt, and I thought there was a forty percent chance I'd been poisoned before we recorded this episode. So yeah, <laughs> we're essentially a bit paranoid, but that's that's all right. <laughs> After reading this book, you probably should be. But uh, yeah, anyway, so. The, at the start of the book, so John, John, he didn't want to go into the draft when he was younger, when he was in his yeah. early 20s. So he thought if he joined the NSA, he could avoid going into the draft. Yeah, because the Vietnam War was on at the time, he didn't want to go fight. So he thought he thought he'd failed the test and he'd sucked as an NSA recruit, but they absolutely mm. loved him. They thought he was going to be unreal. Not because his knowledge or his love for the country, because he was frustrated with life and a young, horny dude who couldn't get any pussy. Yeah, <laughs> that was basically his story. He was like, yeah, I think his parents were school teachers... Real conservative upbringing, and as you say, mate, couldn't get pussy, very frustrated. Yeah. So, yes, so he essentially landed the job, and early on he was promoted from the NSA to economic hitman. At first, he didn't know what it was, but essentially he, it was for a consultant company called Maine as an economist. Yeah. So he was first trained by a chick in Indonesia because they knew he had he was fallible to girls and pussy. And she sounded hot. She sounded hot. Yeah, this hot, sophisticated chick in a suit. Yeah. Yeah. So she said, uh, you know, he'd get promotions if he established himself as a good forecaster, which meant inflating the, yeah. the predictions. Of <laughs> a what good the, forecaster, yeah. yeah really good <laughs> Not accurate. Just, Not accurate. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> bit of salt. Bit of salt. So essentially, she told him to justify huge international loans that would funnel money back to Maine and other US corporations through massive engineering and construction progress projects. Yeah. And essentially, like, those projects would, like, go to, like, big US construction firms would run the show there, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And then that bankrupt, a good one would bankrupt the countries with yeah. these huge loans. The, the <laughs> a U- good one, yeah. The, the construction companies are just lapping it up. <laughs> Man, there's, there's a whole bunch of wild stories and he goes through a whole bunch of different um, different countries that he did this to, essentially, yeah? Yeah. So the next, in chapter six, he talks about how he sold his soul. And again, this is probably the first time someone in... Maine said to him, you've sold your soul to the devil, you're in it for the money. Yeah. And that shook John to the core. Yeah. Uh, and this, was this dude who told him? Um, Howard. Howard. <laughs> so, <laughs> a couple of days later, Howard got pretty crooked, didn't he? So, yeah. So, Howard, a couple of days later, who was, you know, he started telling everyone how they've sold their soul to the devil. Yeah. He said, they're all cooking the numbers. Yeah. They're all scamming. Well, that's how it's parting words. <laughs> no need to cook the numbers. I'll not be part of that scam, no matter what you say about the miracles of economic growth. <laughs> and mate, what happened to him? He had a severe... <laughs> severe attack. <laughs> severe attack. He was done. I don't think Howard came back after that. Nah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 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 you 
passive. passive. Man, this this it's movie is wild. Book. Man, it's just so full on. It's just wild. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I can't. Yeah, I can't help but laugh. Anyway, it's bizarre. So yeah, part two of the book is nineteen seventy one to seventy five. Man, so he talks about the interesting. So the interesting thing was like the um, Vietnam War was going on, and I think like you know communism was spreading to Vietnam. And the U.S. government was worried that communism was going to take over and go to Malaysia and go all across Asia, essentially, after that. That's why they fought so hard in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, and this weird dude in Indo, when John was at the time, was doing this puppet show. And he was taking the piss out of, you know, Richard Nixon and stuff. And rather than talking about these, you know, susceptible Asian countries, he was talking about these Muslim dogs. So he was talking about Afghanistan, Iraq, Indonesia, pretty Muslim country. Uh, so that- and when he was saying Muslim dogs, he was saying like comically. It was a comic show, so he yeah. was like uh, acting as President Nixon going up, yeah. and then lashing out at all these Muslim countries. Yeah, so it was interesting that they these guys weren't worried about these Asian countries falling to communism. They sort of had this foresight that the the Muslim countries were the ones who were going to cop it next. Mm. So what Richard Nixon was doing in these in these puppet shows, it was like grabbing one country and throwing it to the World Bank and just kept throwing yeah. it, throwing <laughs> them all to the World Bank. And so John started chatting to this young Indonesian girl. and uh, Of course. And he asked, why why had they singled out Muslim countries instead of mm. Vietnam, as you were saying? They shouldn't ask because that's a plan. Vietnam is a holding plan for the Muslim world. And because she was saying how she read a book. Mm. And the next war isn't about capitalists and communists, mm. but Christians and Muslims. And that was in the, what? The, that was the early, early This is the early 70s. Yeah. So that was, yeah, pretty wild that whilst... On the surface, it seemed like capitalism versus communism, but you know there was a few people that realised the bigger war is Christianity versus Islam. Yeah, and so back to this puppet show again. It, so the puppet show. So Nixon was coming in and, yeah. and, and fucking up all these these countries. But then there was this uh, other character who came into the story, who was a politician that stood up to Nixon and said, you know, Indonesians are not going to copy your shit, essentially. Yeah, and that was the Indonesian dude who was fighting for Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. and then several days later, that politician was struck and killed by a hit-and-run hit driver. <laughs> Mate, what's going on? <laughs> That's, oh, it's wild. Yeah. It's not good, is it? It's not. So, yeah, so, you know, John kept on working as you do it that's what i think why the book's good because it kind of like shows you how what's going on through someone's brain who does have a moral compass how they yep. kind of rationalize all these kind of decisions what they're yeah. making and and john was you know he's contributing to some of the most evil stuff in the world at the time yeah yeah he was on the um on the u.s side who seems to be knocking off all these people for standing up yeah so yeah it goes into the panamas and a little bit there and and so in 1903, the U.S. essentially went there and invaded the country and then ruled it just because it was such an economical, strategic, fantastic place to be. Yeah, is it because the, the Panama Canal is sort of the way through mm. from one side to the other? That's where you got to get through. Yeah. And so that's why the U.S. wanted control over that. They wanted to make it really good deal that was beneficial for the U.S. And that was where the first character who kind of stood up to the U.S., a dude called... Mm. Uh, Torios, yeah, probably butchering the pronunciation no, of his name. It's not as bad as some of your past attempts. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he was the first one to stand up to Washington. So he wanted freedom from the USA, from forming alliances, and and US couldn't use the communist charade on him either. Just because yeah. he wasn't he wasn't going to be like uh, the guys in Cuba. Yeah, the, essentially like, anyone who stood up to the US, then the US government said, "Oh, this guy's just a communist. communist. He's you know he's he's been taken over by the Soviets. You know that." They're going to be communists. Don't go, go go against this guy. You know, yeah. don't be a communist. 
Yeah, so I guess... Man, there's there's going to be some more on Torios later. Yeah, there's more on Torios later. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a happy ending. We're going to stop fucking laughing. Gonna, it's not good. Stop laughing. It's not good. It's sad. But, yeah. <laughs> Man, and then... So, another... So, a big one was, like, the, the Middle East, uh, the US um, oil shortage. Yeah. There was this big oil crisis. They stopped giving oil to the US. Is that right? Yeah, so, in October 16, 1973, Three, Iran and five other Arab Gulf states, including Saudi Arabia, announced a 70% increase in the price of oil. So why they did this was US was supporting Israel, apparently. And uh-huh. so with that, the Arab countries didn't like that. So rather than use military force against the US, mm. they just jacked up the price of oil. And then in the space of like a few years, it went up by eight times or something, the price of petrol. And then a whole world economy is run by petrol yeah. so essentially the US was just brought to their needs <laughs> yeah. and everyone around the country everyone around the world was and essentially because OPEC the oil producing something something countries yep. essentially that's all those guys who work together they can just clue they can just make the price whatever they want because they control most of the oil yeah and so they were able to just bump it up so Saudi Arabia might not have the biggest military in the world but they t- turned out to be you know, they raised themselves as a big player in the world of politics at that time yeah so, yeah, so what happened then? So the U.S. obviously didn't want this to happen again, so they thought they want to use make the, the Saudi Arabian's economy dependent on the U.S., so they're all mutually dependent. Uh-huh. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So... <laughs> Sorry, mate, keep it going. So they created the United States Joint Commission on Economics Corporation, which is called JECOR. Yeah. So, yeah, the goal is to build uh, interdependence. So the U.S. corrupted or got into some of the most powerful... Saudi families, which is like the the, the Saad family or something mm-hmm. like that. So, mate, you're you going to back me up here? Yeah, no. And essentially, that the the, uh, this family was able to pretty much run the show in Saudi Arabia, and the US was like, okay, well, you know, if if we look after you, you look after us, we'll be pretty happy, and mm. they could sort of do what they want, even though there was probably some questionable things going on in Saudi Arabia at the time. Yeah, that's right. So Washington wanted the Saudis to maintain oil supplies and price levels, so yep. keep that stable, but in and Washington would offer unequivocal US political support and, if necessary, military support, ensuring that Saudi Arabia rules all, all of the Middle East. Wild. <laughs> so, and on top of that, the Saudis, on the other hand, were required to use the petrodollars to buy U.S. government securities, and the interest was spent on Saudi Arabia, and all the contracts were given to private U.S. companies to go in and just build the desert cities that we see today. Man, I just saw something light up my eyes in the notes here that I must have missed on the first look over. Yeah. The U.S. pimping and financing Osama bin Laden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's the next part. So, obviously, now the U.S. are well and truly, you know, in, invested into the uh, the Middle East. So, in yeah. the 1980s, USA, who were, I guess, against the Soviet Union, Union at the time, uh, bankrolled the Saad family, who in turn uh, bankrolled, sorry, the Bin Ladens to yeah. have the Afghan war against the Soviet Union. Yeah, so essentially, obviously... The U.S. this whole time, we said they've been fighting against communism, against the Soviet Union. So, essentially, the U.S. has funded, you know, the Saudi Arabian army by paying salaries, giving it weapons, essentially, like, controlling the military in that way. Um, and, obviously, Osama bin Laden didn't turn out so great for him. Yeah. And he just adds this little snippet at the end of the chapter. Yeah. Where he says, just days after the 9-11 tragedy, the wealthy Saudi Arabians, including the bin Laden family, whisked out on, on private jets. Yeah. 
So essentially saying in 2003 also there was a, you know, there's an article where, so John Perkins wasn't surprised that all the relationships, relationships between the Saad, Bush and Bin Laden family. Hmm. Man, it's, it's just, uh, in, it just seems so bizarre. There must be more to that. Uh, we'll have to ask John what the go with 911 was. Yeah. <laughs> there could be more to it. There could be more to it. They will be neutral for yeah. the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you probably like hear, hear, hear a few hints in our voices, but that's all right. Um, mate, I guess uh, chapter 25, I quit. Yeah. Uh, essentially, so John decided, you know, this stuff is just too, too. I, I got to get out of this. Mm. You know, I've seen way too much stuff that I do not want to be a part of this. And when he quit, the other people around him thought they sort of had to think, oh, this guy's lost the plot. You know, this guy's insane. Rather than them realizing that maybe he's level-headed and we should question our own intentions. Yeah. So at this stage, he was like the chief economist of the, and he was lecturing at Harvard University. So he wasn't just a you know little intern CIA, CIA yeah. uh, corporate. He was a top top dog there. Yeah. He was a partner in the company as well and making fucking millions. Yeah. Maybe the best part, I guess, is that whilst someone else could easily fill his shoes, they didn't want any of this to get out, obviously. That's mm. a big part of it. Because they said at the very start, if you're in, you're in for life. Mm. And they once he quit, a couple of months later... One of their clients said, look, if this John's if John's gone, we're going to pull out our contract with you guys. So they said, look, in order to keep the client happy, we need to keep you on as like an expert witness in this court case they've got going on. So essentially, the company said, okay, we'll pay you a retainer to keep you on to come and act in some of these court cases. And he said, only if you do it for three times my original salary. And they did it Straight instantly, <laughs> not, even, not even thinking about it. So essentially, for you know one... You know, thirty one thirtieth of the amount of work he's mm. got three times his salary just yeah. to sort of keep him on the books, yeah. keep everyone happy, yeah, keep him quiet, and keep him quiet, not quiet anymore, are you, Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mate, Johnny. chapter twenty six and twenty seven, yeah, got took a wild turn, yeah. <laughs> Mate, so it starts with Ecuador and the president uh, Roldos, yeah. who decided, you know, time to take a stand. He wants to make this new hydrocarbon law, which would ref- reform the country's relationships with oil companies. And he sort of threatened, you know, look, you guys have been taking advantage of us. We need to take back some of the control, some of the power. Uh, mm. And essentially, the oil companies weren't happy. They threw everything at him. Yeah, so there was PR campaigns vilifying the president, the lobbyists from Washington, bribes, threats, payoffs. I'm sure there was a few bit of... Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot going on. nice-looking girls. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, once... Um, so he kicks out this one group who he thought was working with the oil companies... Uh, and he announced it now. Okay, look, it's not just oil companies; it's all foreign interests. Mm. They're in trouble. We're taking a look at it. You guys have been taking us for a ride. We got to we got to do something about this. Yes, yeah, so it was a big movement and a big announcement. He made at Olympic Stadium. Yeah, and um, then was then he flew to a small regional <laughs> town after it. Mate, on his way, the plane blew up. Yeah, so, <laughs> he died in a fiery airplane cl- crash, May twenty fourth, nineteen eighty one. Yeah. So he'd had death threats, um, and apparently he started making two planes. He had two private jets, so that uh, almost like the president, you know, yeah, yeah, you got a real decoy. Um, but they were onto him; they just blew it up. Yeah. So that's Ecuador. Yeah. Next was Panama. So the, the dude <laughs> we were talking about earlier was was Torrios. Yeah. And he gave a eulogy for for Roldos, and he was also standing up against the, these corporations. Yeah. So he spoke at this Roldos's funeral, and he said, "Look." Well, I've had you know nightmares of my own assassination, but I'm I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm also going to kick out this these things, you know, foreign interests. But look out, oil companies. I'm going to kick you out too. 
Um, I'm not going to negotiate with the US about you know the new Panama Canal deal. Mm. And yeah, then he got in a plane. <laughs> he got in a plane. The plane crashed in the mountains. There were no survivors. No survivors. So, oh Jesus! It could have been a, it could have been a malfunction, but I highly doubt it. By the sounds of it, I guess. We'll and mate, it was only a couple of months after old old mate Roldos. Yeah. Um, and then, mate, and then after that, once he was gone, the US invaded Panama because mm. they wanted control over the canal. They were getting a shit deal in their eyes. So yeah, wild. Yeah, some really interesting stuff there. So at this stage, John starts writing his book. Yeah, he thought, look, there's two of these CIA assassinations have gone down, and two of my mates, Ecuador, Panama, I'm going to write this book. And um, And John built a relationship with Torrios. Yeah, he he was mates. He drew a lot of inspiration from his courage. Obviously, had a lot lot of courage, you know, to to know you're about to get (laughs) off to, to, to do that, and... Yeah, that's a special dude. Now, I think the issue... So, he started asking some of his former colleagues for sort of input into making sure his memory was correct, some of the events that had transpired. Um, and essentially, word got around. And this this uh, company, Stone and Webster Engineering Company, called him up. And they said, mate, we're looking for you know a consultant. Yeah. Which is essentially they were going to pay him a shitload of money to do not a lot of work on the condition that he didn't write anything about Maine, anything about Sweck, anything about all the stuff he'd done in the past. Mm. And he took it. Yeah. Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, obviously eventually he got around eventually, to it. Eventually, yeah. Mate, <laughs> yeah. no, but he's getting a lot of money for doing nothing. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And it was, it was essentially it's just a bribe to not write, not reveal some of this stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, he is now, which is good. And that's fantastic. Yeah. And just quickly, mate, you want to hear this with a bit of a rap? Yeah. So essentially the US, they funded Saddam. Um, they let him have free reign. Saddam had seen what they did in Saudi Arabia and thought, you know, I've got a, I've got a lot of oil. You guys need some oil. Uh, I'm going to do some of the same things. I'm going to have full control. And he said that uh, it hardly mattered that he was a pathological tyrant, that he had blood of mass murders on his hands, that his mannerisms and brutal actions conjured images of Adolf Hitler. The US had tolerated and supported such men before. And essentially, they were happy as long as he kept supplying the US with oil. So, where did it change? I don't know. Yeah. I'll have to ask him. Yeah, we'll ask him. Yeah, so, yeah, toward the end of the book, he just, he got, tried to get poisoned as well. So, as is the second time he's writing the book, <laughs> he met with a reporter, in, yeah. you know, question marks. This reporter had been bugging him for an interview, and he kept pushing him back, and eventually he was going to do a speech at the UN, and the guy said, oh, I'll pick you up and take you to your hotel. Yeah. The reporter took him to the hotel. Yeah. After the reporter left, he had this, like, just some pain. <laughs> and he went, he went to the hospital. He had severe internal bleeding. He lost half of his blood and 70% of his large intestine had to be removed. Yeah. So, mate, I don't know if this guy did anything to him, but it's pretty sus. It's pretty brutal. <laughs> it's pretty it's a lot of sus things. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. It's like all the, all the guys he got off. It's like, yeah. like hit by a like, car, yeah. hit and run. It's just, <laughs> just, you know, it could be... Uh, a disastrous just one off there's there's too many trucks hitting people for no reason (laughs) (laughs) that has to (laughs) one quick warning is that he says China's the next wild country coming up that in Ecuador the US had three billion dollars like that Ecuador owed them um, and they were going to default but China stepped in they gave them a billion they gave them two billion they gave them five and a half billion and essentially China's doing all the stuff that the US used to do now Mm. um, or still does Yeah. yeah Not as bad. I thought he had a po- more positive spin on China toward the end. Uh, maybe a little bit more positive. Yeah. Uh, in the sense that the countries that China's trying to take over, yeah. like the you know Tibet, I think China's been in a big war with them, essentially. Yeah. 
they're saying it's just a, the previous empire that they're taking back, whereas the US just wants the whole world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what he said. There you go. So, yeah, toward the end of the book, it goes on to things that you can do as an individual or corporation or whatever. But yeah. essentially, one of the big ones that I got out of that is just like not going to debt. Yeah. Mate, we just went on the world debt clock before, and it's absolutely unbelievable that what kind of debt the whole world is in. Yeah, the US is in $20 trillion worth of debt. Yep. Japan's in nine trillion. Australia's half a trillion. Yeah, it's a lot of debt, and we saw like it ticking up. Like, I think Australia's paying eleven thousand in interest per second. Yep. US is paying like two and a half thousand per second. Mm. And I think per year the 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 interest in is in you know hundreds of billions for the yeah. US or something. So it's like probably enough money to solve global hunger. Yeah, in just one one swoop. So essentially, that's where all our money's going to, and then you know where's this interest going? So that's probably the question for the big John. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff people can do, like a lot of things, you know. Essentially, learn all you can, keep learning, question authority, avoid debt, mentor young people, pick a cause and support it, live consciously, you know, take action, um, teach younger people, uh, be careful who your own stock's in. There's like there's like 50 things here. Yeah. Um, but they're basically just get out there and take action, do something. Good stuff, man. It's a good book, I think. It's to, uh, it's scary. We should probably <laughs> balance scary. it with the crock of shit law of attraction kind of positive <laughs> book <laughs> to balance this this dark. I think it's important to understand what's going on in the world, oh, man. Mate. I, I, mate, we're going to have... Uh, yeah, mate, there's some wild shit out there. Some wild there, shit. You can be ignorant and close your eyes Yeah. or you can not believe it. I know, you know, it might not be legit. It might be. Yeah. Personally, I think it's legit. I think it's pretty legit. But we'll find out what Johnny has to say. I think living with your, you, you know, living a life with your eyes wide open. Yeah, mate. We, <laughs> mate, I'm still feeling a bit crook from that lunch. And mate, so if you guys see this, yeah. that means we made it. We made so it. far, so far. We <laughs> so far. made it, mate. Mate, I'm going to be sleeping with one eye open tonight, though. Yeah. Now, we're not doing a song today. We thought we'd... We recorded this a little while ago as our own personal insurance policy. Like, John's got this book. As insurance policy, we recorded an insurance policy. So we're going to, it was our paranoia a couple of weeks ago. We're yep. going to play that instead of the song. So essentially, we're being paranoid little bitches before <laughs> we're going to speak to him. When we read the first 30 pages, and it was like, this guy said something, he got knocked off the next day. This guy acted out. Got knocked he off. Got, he got in a plane crash. This he guy told the, told the US government to get fucked. He got hit and run. Yeah. Like, so we, so we, we thought we were in strife. Yeah, so essentially, we, we, yeah, we had this little phone chat. Planning to put this up weeks after, just in case just we got off, it would come up. But. So here it is. This is a message from beyond the grave, Adam <laughs> and Adam. So Potentially. If you're hearing this, that means we got killed by the, uh, the CIA <laughs> just before we interviewed Jonathan Perkins. Today, uh, what's the date? Today is the 8th of October. Uh, we just started uh, listening to, uh, so we just started reading the book called The New Confessions of an Economic Hitman, author is John Perkins. And, mate, it is explosive, to say the least, and there is a 10% chance that we're going to get knocked off by the US government. 100%. There's, <laughs> 100%, mate, there's not 100%. 10% is <laughs> 100% chance. Yeah. So there's... So, in the first 25 pages, there has been many people who have just been off. They've just been, you know, they, they oppose them, and then they're walking the dog, and then they just get hit by a train or something. <laughs> so, if, if something really weird happens to us, health-wise, it means it, it was the fucking US. That's, mate, that's 100% it. It's uh, basically 
John Perkins, he, he wrote this book as his own insurance policy because he knows too much. And by him putting it out there, it becomes too suspicious if he gets knocked off. So this is him protecting himself. Now, we're speaking to this guy on the 20th of October. Um, and, yeah, we're, we could be in strife, I reckon, between now and then. Yeah, so fingers crossed. But, uh, yeah, if we're done, we're done. <laughs> mate, is it worth the risk? <laughs> I think it is, mate. I think it is. This is our insurance policy. This is this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, if, if we get knocked off, it's the US government. If we don't get knocked off, it's because of this episode right now. Yeah, exactly. That's right. This is our thing while we're live. They're monitoring this phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Love, That's mate. it. I agree with that. That's it. <laughs>